One day, Jesus is coming. You may be at church. You may be at work. You may be asleep. God grant that you will be ready when he makes his personal appearance. My God, what if his appearance occurs on a Sunday morning? My prophetic word to you this morning is get ready, get ready! Yevarechecha Adonai v'yishmerecha Yair Adonai panav elecha v'yichuneka Yisa Adonai panav elecha v'yasem lecha shalom The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And good afternoon, everybody. Happy Sunday. My name is Pastor Jeff Greider, and I'd like to welcome you to this NTEB House Church Sunday service. Very glad that you're here with us today. The Lord Jesus commands us to be witnesses of his death, burial, and resurrection. Are you doing that? Part of the ministry of Now the End Begins is to bring you the news of the day in light of what your King James Bible says life will be like in the last days before the pre-tribulation rapture of the church, and we do our very best to accomplish that. We get our mandate for that from 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 5. But there is a higher calling placed upon those of us who have been born again in the church age, to testify of Jesus Christ and to show his death, burial, and resurrection until he comes again. Paul calls this the preaching of the kingdom of God. And in Luke chapter 21, verse 13, just switching dispensations for just a moment, Luke 21, 13, and it shall turn to you for a testimony. Today, the Lord has laid on my heart a message designed to cut through all the noise and clatter of social media, the nightly news, and what your fantasy football league is doing. To remind you of the mission we have been charged with fulfilling. Are you doing it? Did you know that your rewards at the judgment seat of Christ depend primarily on how well you fulfill the biblical mandate you've been given to be a witness of the Lord Jesus Christ? We're going to spend a little bit of time in the Gospels today and we see parables showing people not doing what they were called to do. And it's all fun and games until the master shows up and they are caught short. We live in a day and time where the doctrine of the rapture of the church is hated, despised, and denied, not by the lost world, but by a majority of professing Christians. And when it takes place, every one of those people will be taken in a snare. Saved people I'm talking about. In today's Sunday service, I want to give you something that will help you to not be one of those people. Heavenly Father, 
We thank you, Lord, for waking us up today and putting food on the table. Clothes on our back, roof over our head. We're glad, we're grateful to be here. Your word says, neglect not the assembling together of yourselves is as the manner of some is. Um, but so much more as you see the day approaching. And uh, I mangled that verse a little bit, but you understand what I'm talking about. We are called to assemble. In every dispensation, we've been called to assemble. And uh, God's people, iron sharpening iron. And uh, Lord, we come before you today. We ask you to work and move as only you can. And we commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, happy daylight savings time, everybody. Uh, today, you know, most of us have digital devices. And I uh, had a great conversation with my buddy Craig yesterday about devices. And we're going to talk about that on the podcast tomorrow. Um, but all of us just about have digital devices. So very few of us even realized when we woke up this morning that it's daylight savings time and that the time clock has been advanced by an hour. Uh, when I was a kid, we used to say spring forward and fall backwards, meaning in the fall, you set the clock back an hour. In the springtime, you set it forward an hour. Well, today, the clocks just kind of set themselves because we all have digital devices. Um, tomorrow on the podcast, did you know, did you know that today is day 1091 of 15 days to flatten the curve? Now, have you ever asked yourself, what was the first day of the 1,091 days of 15 days to flatten the curve? That was the day where the whole world shut down to stop the spread. 15 measly days. Just shut it down. And um, this is the week three years ago, starting today. This is the week where the whole world shut down. And we are still doing the end times countdown. Today is day 1091 of 15 days to flatten the curve. Tomorrow on the podcast, big, big, special podcast tomorrow um, about the countdown. Uh, somebody named Amber is in the... Um, Amber has a question. Is repentance necessary for salvation? Or do I just believe that Jesus was raised from the dead and I'm good? Well, let's, that's a great question. Um, let's take your second statement first. The Bible says this. The Bible says in James chapter 2, verse 19, Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. So to answer your second statement first, if I just believe that Jesus was raised from the dead, am I good? The answer is no. And uh, James just told you that the devils believe, Satan believes, that Jesus was raised from the dead. Satan's not saved. The devils aren't saved. So... Um, can I just believe that Jesus was raised from the dead and I'm good? No, the answer is absolutely not. 
Now, um, let's take your first question, and then we're going to answer both questions. Um, is repentance necessary for salvation? The answer is yes and no. And uh, let me show you what I mean by that. The answer is yes and no. Uh, turn to Luke chapter 23. Turn to Luke chapter 3. Uh, 23, I'm sorry. Luke chapter 23. Jesus is on the cross and he has two malefactors, two bad actors. That's what that word malefactor means. It means you're a bad actor. And these guys were bad news. Luke 23, let's start in verse 38, and we're going to go down to verse 43. Uh, Amber is asking, do I need to repent in order to be saved? The answer is yes and no, and we are going to explain that in just a second. Luke 23, 38. And a superscription also was written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost thou not fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And when he said unto Jesus, Lord, Remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. When that malefactor was first put on the cross, he was just as bad as the other guy. Now, what did he do in verse 42 of Luke 23? He repented of his unbelief that Jesus is the Savior. So, Paul talks about something called repentance unto salvation. That's exactly what this malefactor did. He changed his opinion. That's what the word repent means. It means to change your mind. It doesn't mean to apologize. It doesn't mean to say, I'm sorry. And he didn't do those things. Luke twenty three forty two, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. He acknowledged him as Lord. He acknowledged him as a coming king. When you comest into your kingdom. He acknowledged him as Lord. He changed his mind there. He um, acknowledges him as a coming king. He changed his mind there. And he acknowledged that this Lord and Savior, Jesus, is going to have a kingdom, and that just coincidentally happens to be the main theme of the entire Bible, the coming king and the coming kingdom. Now, turn to Acts chapter 8, and I'm almost ready to answer Amber's question. Acts chapter 8, go all the way down to the bottom. Acts chapter 8. Uh, let's just do 34 through 37. We all know the story of the Ethiopian eunuch. He's the first person to get saved in the church age. He has Bible study with Philip. 
And Philip begins to preach and teach to him from Isaiah chapter 53. Let's pick up the action in Acts 8.34. And the eunuch answered Philip, saying, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What does hinder me to be baptized? The eunuch is saying, Hey, Philip, I really appreciate the Bible study. I really appreciate you showing me Jesus Christ from uh, the scroll of Isaiah. What's stopping me from becoming baptized right now? Acts 8.37, And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Now, that's not lip service. That's not a man who is just nodding his head and agreeing with what the devils agree with, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that God raised him from the dead. The devil understands that, but the devil is not saved. Philip was willing to put some time in. At the start of this passage, um, uh, the eunuch, not Philip, I meant the eunuch. At the start of this account, the eunuch is sitting by himself reading the Bible. He doesn't understand it, so the Holy Spirit sends him Philip to teach him the Bible. He's excited about Bible study. He hears it, he believes it, he receives it. And according to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 12 through 14, that eunuch becomes the very first soul to be sealed onto the day of redemption. So, uh, Amber is asking, do I need to repent to be saved is my question. Well, I just gave you the answer. You need to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's the repenting that you have to do to get saved. Repenting of your sin does not save you. That's your sanctification. Repenting of your sin does not save you. Jeanette says that she needs the plan of salvation. I just gave her the plan of salvation. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I got saved 32 years ago when I received Jesus Christ as my Savior. Amber, I'm asking you right now, what is stopping you from receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior? I will look for your answer in the chat room, and um, we'll be right back after this. The singers are tired. The church as we know it 
is losing its fire And some are discouraged from bearing the load But we must determine to keep pressing on Cause it's just one more soul Were to walk down the aisle It would be worth every struggle It would be worth every mile A lifetime of labor Is still worth it all If it rescues just one more soul So preachers keep preaching And singers go sing And laymen keep sharing That Jesus is King The angels have gathered They're surrounding the throne And they'll start rejoicing For just one more soul Cause it's just one more soul We're to walk down the aisle
The Bible says in Romans, (laughs) man, we are rejoicing this morning. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Verse 13 says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And this morning in the chat room, uh, a woman named Amber, uh, she started asking a question about repentance. And we explained to her um, the repentance unto salvation and the repentance unto sanctification. And um, you get saved when you repent of your unbelief that Jesus Christ is the Savior. You repent of that, you turn from that, and you look at him and realize He is all in all. He is everything. And uh, 32 years ago, I repented of my unbelief in Jesus as the Savior. And then after you get saved, well, you spend a lifetime sanctifying and uh, repenting. Absolutely. And uh, there is a repentance unto salvation and repentance unto sanctification. And we welcome Amber into the family of God this afternoon. What a great start to today's Sunday service.
Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, and we come before you as a church family. Father God, we lift up our prayer and our praise, and uh, we're just so glad, Father God. We're just so glad. Um, I don't know if I have enough air after having COVID and all that stuff to do the whole salvation list, but I'm going to do a piece of it today. Um, if you want the full prayer list, reach out to Jeanette in the chat room, and she'll be very, very happy to um, uh, to get you that list. Um, there's over 200 names on that list, and um, I just can't read all of them. Uh, but if you have a desire to pray for people, please get the list from Jeanette, and uh, it will take you about a half hour to go through this list in your your own private prayer time, but we pray for Sarah and Eric and Becky Jacobs, Greg and Melissa Price, Glenn Clark, Jeanette's family, my three brothers, um, the Carrier family up in Maine, uh, Jesse and his mom for salvation, the Bolton family, uh, Colby Bohan, Dina uh, Kruger is praying for her son Jordan. David Peck for salvation, uh, the Weirs Bicky family, they need salvation. Kentucky Jeffrey is praying for Tyler Tevin, daughter-in-law Caitlin and grandsons Logan, Ronnie and Russell. Jeanette and Bob from Wisconsin are praying for unsaved Catholic family members. Rita in Colorado is praying for Dan. Connie has three unsaved kids. Um... Joshua Gaskins and wife April praying for Uncle Steve. Uh, Brandy, lost family members. Uh, Ron needs to get saved. Um, Rick Dotson needs to get saved. Jan Lacker is praying for son David. Werner Bukes is praying for Bob and Abby. Uh, Cheyenne is praying for Barry, Terry, Alan, Melody, Nick, Rick, and Beth. Lulu has unsaved family members, uh, lots of unsaved people and in the Gia Camino family. Uh, Dawn D is praying for David. Chelsea B is praying for her ex-husband to get saved. Um, Adam is praying for Shana. Steve Graves, Elga, they need to get saved. Rob is praying for his three kids, Max, Olivia, and Mikey. Phyllis T. for her husband. Summer Robbins is praying for her dad, retired Navy SEAL Brian Robbins. Um, Adam and Katie have family members. Gary Tatterson praying for his parents, his brother uh, and cousin. Joe Rusiello, uh is asking salvation prayers for his mother, sister, and granddaughter. Uh, his Grace is praying for a number of people. Uh, Bruce Bridges is still praying for Elena and Milena. Um, Anja is praying for Hanu, John, Charles, and Anna Lilsa. Uh, Scott Thaler needs to get saved. Loretta Oates is praying for sons Kenny and Matthew. Uh, Julie Lynn is praying for her friend Katie Ann. Samantha is praying for Beth. Hap Nightingale is praying for his sons Jimmy and Zach. Trisha wants to see some of her co-workers at the police station get saved. Um, Colonial Man praying for Don, Claire, and Virginia. Um, Marisol Barcina has Catholic family members. 
Uh, just the other day, I had a really nice phone call with Derek O'Reilly's mom, Patricia, in Dublin, Ireland. And uh, she prayed to get saved on the phone with me uh, on Friday after the podcast. And um, that, that, was, that call lasted almost an hour. So please keep Patricia in your prayers. Um, earlier today, just really about 15 minutes ago in the chat room, a woman named Amber started asking questions about repentance and salvation. And uh, we took some time and answered those questions live on the air. And um, uh, she thought about what we said. She read the scripture verses that we gave her. And uh, she said that she is saved and she has repented of her unbelief in Jesus Christ. And she now believes that not only is he the Savior, he is her Savior. And that's how you know that you got saved. That's how you know that you got saved. Uh, he's not just the Savior. He is your Savior. When he's your Savior, you're saved. When he's the Savior, I don't know. <laughs> that doesn't do much for you personally. Doesn't do much for you personally. Bill Gates has billions of dollars, but his billions of dollars don't pay my bills. Um, so his money doesn't do anything for me personally. Elon Musk is the world's richest man. Uh, he's not making my car payment. Uh, Jesus Christ is the Savior. There's no doubt about it. But you're saved when he is your Savior. When you understand that he went to the cross and made a payment in God's blood not for the sins of the whole world from a high-level perspective. That's true. But you get saved when you realize that Jesus Christ made a payment in God's blood for the sins that you personally are guilty of. That's what salvation is all about. And uh, we are so glad to welcome Patricia to the family of God and to... Uh, welcome Amber uh, to the family of God, and she 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 prayed to get saved live on the air today, and uh, we are just rejoicing about that. Um, let me see what else we have here on our prayer list. Again, I've only given you a fraction. Uh, Jericho Daly is praying for his three older brothers and their family. Uh, please pray for the Muto family. Stephanie is praying for Michael. Uh, Xavier praying for his family, Maria Silva praying for members of her Jehovah's Witness family, the La Piana family is asking for salvation prayers for extended family members, um, lots of prayers for salvation today, and uh, we're excited, two people have gotten saved, amen, uh, Harmon's son Michael battling pancreatic cancer, Catherine B uh, is chronically ill with kidney failure, um, Pam is battling glaucoma. Katrina has breast cancer. Chloe's dad has leukemia. Annetta needs a healing from a stroke. Uh, Natalie's husband, Ken, um, is a, needs healing from esophageal cancer. Ra's daughter-in-law has stage 3 cancer. Clayton Perry has ongoing cancer treatments. Rob Wiley is battling ALS disease. 
Rob Beatty's colon cancer has come back. We're praying for him. Craig R. Ford, also with pancreatic cancer, like Harmon's son, Michael. Uh, Aaron Riddle's sister, Tracy, has metastatic breast cancer. Maddie Luck has Lully body dementia. Julie Baird was just diagnosed with diabetes, and she's on the prayer list. Please keep Charlton's wife, Debbie, in your prayers. March 20th, she's having eye surgery, and there are some potential complications. Please um, remember Charlton's wife, Debbie, in your prayers for the 20th. Um, Marriages and families that we're praying for. We're praying for Steph and Andy. Angela and Jeff, Bianca and Derek, um, Morris and Gift, Jan Lacker and her husband. Um, she had a praise report. I think it was Jan Lacker. No, not Jan Lacker. It's Cher who says that her husband is sober one month today. And uh, we rejoice with you. We've been praying about that. Cassandra uh, wants prayer for her husband. Um, Stacy in Texas asking prayer for her husband to get saved. Jill Hall, time-sensitive prayer request. Please pray that my husband would want to go with me to the camp meeting. And uh, we certainly will pray that, and we hope that he does. Uh, We have a number of women who are expecting. Elena Blackburn, Kelsey Emerson, Aaron Riddle, and Gary Tatterson's daughter Kayla is expecting twins. Uh, Carrie is asking prayer for her husband, Jerry, with possible dementia. Uh, Jackie Heyman would like prayers to regain custody of her son. Jill Puckett needs prayer. She's losing her vision. Aunt Nancy says, please continue to pray for Brandon and Michelle for salvation. Mike Hensel, haven't seen him much in the chat room lately. Hope everything is okay. Uh, But his mom has lung cancer, and we're praying for that. Uh, Jasmine. Recovery from shingles. Um, Leslie, we are praying that the Lord will order and reorder um, steps that were taken that led to a very dire financial situation, uh, that the Lord would step in and overrule and um, help her. Uh, So please keep Leslie in your prayers. Scott and Debbie Lyman, please pray that the Lord will move us to Florida. Amen. Uh, please remember Dave and Jill of Kinelon Baptist Church with their nursing home ministry. Um, our overseas pastors in the Philippines, pastors John Reed, Danny Arnell, uh, Pastor Fo John in Vietnam, Pastor David Mark in India, and uh, Stephen McCarroll of the Gospel Bus Ministry in Ireland. Uh, Luann is an American uh, missionary who ministers to Muslims in Turkey. Irad Bairumumishu in Uganda with his good child missions. And Xavier would like prayer as he hands out multi-language tracts in Spain. Please remember our street preachers, uh, Kentucky Jeffrey in Ohio, Kyle in Baton Rouge, up in Canada, Werner Bukes, Paul and Peggy Caulfield, Adrian Breda, Greg Scott, Jeffrey Sapasenik. Uh, they're all up in Canada. Uh, Street Preacher Marie in Philadelphia getting something done um, in Philly. Uh, Henry Biggs and Jennifer Thompson in Australia. Mia would like prayers for Jay, a street preacher who preaches to the LGBTQ community. 
Joseph Rusiello in Eagle Pass, Texas. Mike Avram is a trucker leaving Bibles at truck stops. Um, Nightwatch Autist and his friend Tom Fennessy up in Canada would like prayer for their ministry. A lot of ministries have been started through this ministry, and um, we are very grateful for that. And uh, anything that we can do to help you to get that job done, uh, we are happy to do that. Uh, Water Dog, my 61-year-old brother, has heart valve surgery. He's saved, but please pray for a successful procedure and a complete healing. Um, Same prayer for Dave's girlfriend, Jill. She's having heart valve surgery in the next couple of weeks. Keep that in your prayers. Uh, Terry Bryant, my grandmother passed at 102 years old this week. I was able to witness to her after years and years of being Church of Christ. Um, She asked me how to get saved, and um, she got saved. So we rejoice with Terry Bryant that her grandmother is um, safe with the Lord at 102 years old. Rob says, just saying hi, we'll be listening. Please keep me in prayer. My cat who had cancer died in my arms a half hour ago. Very sad. That is very sad. And uh, we get we get very attached to our animals. And I believe that God gives us animals for comfort and companionship. And uh, we will be praying for you, brother. Uh, please pray for Gail Comfort. She works over at the bookstore. Uh, she's still having that pesky leg muscle problem. Um, but it's really bad. She almost couldn't walk yesterday. So please keep Gail comfort in your prayers for a complete healing. Aunt Nancy says, I have an abscessed tooth and I need a root canal. Please pray for a healing. Amen. Uh, Jill says, please pray for these souls I have given King James Bibles to. Steve, Alicia, Mallory, Cody, Rhonda, and Kimberly. Amen. And Jill's getting something done. She's handing out Bibles. And, um, you know, I'm going to do a Bible study on women in the ministry in the Bible um, because they're not called to be pastors and they're not called to be preachers, but women are absolutely an integral part of New Testament church ministry and they can absolutely get something done for the Lord. And I love to see when women step up to the plate. And I like it twice as much when men step up to the plate. Um, And that's one reason why we have this whole controversy about women pastors, because the men aren't stepping up, uh, and the women are. So uh, please pray for the souls that Jill gave the Bibles to, and excellent work. Regina has an unspoken prayer. Uh, Please keep me in your prayer this week. Um... Chris Hart has a unspoken prayer as well. Um, I said the other day that half of it got answered, and we're praying for the other half. Uh, Cassandra, please pray for my son, Sonny. It's a complicated situation, but he's going to be homeless because rent is going up and he has no job, but he is studying for his national real estate exam. Amen. Kenny says, please pray for me, battles with the flesh and spiritual attacks. Also, please pray for two men named Stephen who are preaching in Bradford in the UK today. 
Uh, Carl says, I have a mom and dad who need to get saved. Um, Cheryl H. says, please pray for my son who needs to exit Los Angeles soon for housing in Arizona. Uh, Heavenly Father, for all these prayers and for the unspoken prayers of our hearts, we thank you, we praise you. Uh, Lord, all these people who need to get saved, we give so much thanks for the two who got saved um, this weekend, Patricia O'Reilly and Amber in the chat room. And uh, Lord, we pray that uh, many, many more names will be moved from the the salvation, the the prayer column to the praise column. And for everybody who needs a physical healing and people with surgery and people who need comfort and reconciliation and problems with finances and relationships, we ask you, Father God, to go before all of us and work it out and smooth it out and to do what only you can do. And uh, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, We're going to get started with our message in just a couple of minutes. I'm going to catch my breath and one or two more songs, and then we are going to jump right in with today's message. And uh, if you're just tuning in, and if you're saved, this message may be the most important message that you're going to hear all year long. The Lord Jesus commands us to be witnesses of his death, burial, and resurrection And I'm going to ask the question, are you doing that? We'll get started in just a few minutes.
Heavenly Father, we thank you, we praise you, and commit this time to you. And uh, Lord, give me power to preach and teach, and uh, be with us now, and open up our eyes and ears and spiritual understanding to your word. And uh, we ask it all, Father God, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, good afternoon, everybody. If you're just tuning in, you have found the NTEB House Church Sunday service. We had somebody saved in the first hour of today's program, and her name is Amber. Please keep Amber in your prayers. Uh, we had uh, Patricia O'Reilly from Ireland get saved on Friday, and please keep her in your prayers as well. All right, open up your King James Bibles, please. Uh, let's start, get Luke chapter 12 in one hand, and get uh, Matthew 25 in the other hand. And while you're turning to both those places, uh, let me talk to you about Luke 21, verse 13. Luke 21, 13. Uh, and it shall turn to you for testimony. Uh, today, we're going to be in the Gospels, and uh, I'm going to show you, we're going to make some spiritual applications uh, from the teaching of the Gospels. And I want to show you this morning um, that... If you're saved, if you're born again, you're in the church age, you're not going to go through the time of Jacob's trouble, you're not going to be faced with the mark of the beast, even though we see the system assembling right now, you're not going to spend one single moment in the time of the great tribulation. But let me tell you something, when that rapture comes, when that rapture comes and it lifts you, if you're saved... It lifts you up and out of here. You had better be prepared for that day. Now, you might be tempted to say to me, what do I need to be prepared for? That's the day that Jesus comes to catch us up into the clouds. And that's very true. But that's also the day that your ability to get something done for him comes to an end. <clears throat> The Bible says that uh, we walk by faith and not by sight. The Bible talks in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and 2 Corinthians chapter 5 about a little something called the judgment seat of Christ. And uh, you and I who are saved, that is our unbreakable appointment. And yes, what a great day that that will be, the rapture of the church. And for 32 years, I have pondered that question, and I have preached about that and taught about that and had endless discussions with a, a I couldn't even begin to calculate all the people that I have talked with pro and con about the pre-trib rapture of the church over the last 32 years. But let me tell you something, if you're not prepared for that day, the fun part is going up in the clouds. The fun part is seeing Jesus Christ coming to get us like he promised he would do. You know what the Bible says in John chapter 14? John chapter 14, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. 
In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, and I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there ye may be also. That's the pre-tribulation rapture of the church. But you know what happens right after that? Something called the judgment seat of Christ. And do you know what you're going to be judged on? You're going to be judged on what you did or did not do for the Lord Jesus Christ after you got saved. And so today, I want to show you just a couple of examples of people who were not prepared. People who were not prepared when the call came. So turn to uh, Matthew chapter 25. Turn to Matthew chapter 25. Let's read the first... um, Five verses. Matthew 25, 1. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. This is not the rapture. This is the second coming. This is the kingdom of heaven. There's no church here. This is the Jewish people. This is the tribulation saints. But there is a very definite application that we're going to make for ourselves. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, they were prepared, and five were foolish, they were unprepared. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise... Daniel says, um, the wicked shall do wickedly, uh, but the wise shall understand. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, there's that John Starn song that we play all the time, the midnight cry. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you, but go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves." And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, <clears throat> and the door was shut. Mm-mm-mm. The door was shut. Five people were ready and prepared. Five people were unready and not prepared, and they were locked outside the shut door. Now, turn to Luke chapter 12. Turn to Luke chapter 12. You want to see um, the sequel to Matthew 25? You want to see what happens after that door was shut? Have you ever wondered about that? Luke 12, verse 35. Let your loins be girded about and your lights burning. And ye yourselves like unto men that wait for their Lord. When he will return from the wedding 
Revelation 19, 6, 7, and 8, that when he cometh and knocketh, they, they may open unto him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you, that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down at meat and will come forth and serve them. And if he come in the second watch or in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. And this know that if the good man of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not suffered his house to be broken through. The good man is Antichrist. He's not a good man. He's the goodman of the house. This is talking about the tribulation. The thief is Jesus Christ. He is coming to steal and plunder the kingdom of the devil. And this know that if the goodman of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not have suffered his house to be broken through. Be ye therefore ready also. For the Son of Man cometh at an hour when ye think not. I want to talk to you for just a few minutes today about being ready for the pre-tribulation rapture of the church. Now, I'm not talking about being ready to fly up into the clouds. I have tried to imagine that moment, and um, if the Lord doesn't give us... <laughs> overwhelming peace and grace, it would be rather terrifying to be shooting up through the sky uh, to meet him up in the clouds. But there will be nothing terrifying about that. It's We're going to feel like Superman flying through the air. But let me ask you this question. Why is the doctrine of the pre-tribulation rapture of the church so despised and hated and rejected. I had somebody who's been coming to our website for years and years, and um, he went and made some YouTube videos trying to expose us because we preach and teach the pre-tribulation rapture of the church. And there's a lot of people, a lot of Christians who get mad because we preach and teach the pre-trib rapture of the church. And that's just too bad because we're not ever going to stop doing that because that's what the Bible teaches. But I want you to think about today, what I want you to think about is when the rapture happens and we are taken up into the clouds to be with the Lord, he's going to give us a couple of minutes to shout and praise and cry and scream and rejoice, and worship. We're going to have that time. And then, each and every one of us are taken off individually to something that the Bible calls the judgment seat of Christ. And there, your works are going to be reviewed. Not your sin, not your struggles with sin before salvation, after salvation, none of that. That was paid for at Calvary. Jesus went to the cross. He made a payment in God's blood for your sin. He owns your sin. 
And the Bible says he's going to put those sins behind his back and they are going to be as far from you and him as east is from the west. Uh, if you look on a map of the globe, east and west never meet. That's how far your sin is away from you and away from God if you're saved. But that's not what's in view at the judgment seat of Christ. You've already been judged for salvation. Now, at the judgment seat of Christ, you're going to be judged for the works that you did or did not do after you got saved. Now, God's going to look at your time schedule. Maybe you lived for a year after you got saved and then the rapture. Maybe five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 50 years. God's going to look at the amount of time that you spent on yourself. And he's going to look at the amount of time that you worked for his kingdom. Not the kingdom of heaven. That is a literal, visible, physical, earthly kingdom that Jesus brings in in Revelation 19. And he doesn't need our help to do that. The kingdom that I'm talking about, turn to Acts chapter 28. Turn to Acts chapter 28. And let me show you the kingdom that I'm talking about. Acts chapter 28, we have our Apostle Paul. And um, let's start reading in verse 23 of Acts 28. And when they had appointed him a day, talking about Paul, there came many to him into his lodging, to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets, from morning till evening. And some believed the things that were spoken, and some believed not. So here you have the Apostle Paul. He is preaching and teaching the kingdom of God. Keep your finger in Acts 28 and turn to John chapter 23. Uh, but we're coming right back to Acts 28. You know what Jesus says in John chapter 3, verse 3? Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And then in verse 5, he says this, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And then verse 7, Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Now go back to Acts chapter 28. There are people, and I call these people hyper-dispensationalists, there are people who say that because Paul does not use the expression being born again, that it's only for the Jewish people, and that is a ridiculous notion. Jesus says that being born again is what puts you into the kingdom of God. The Apostle Paul in Acts 20, uh, 28-23, it says to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God. So, 
the Apostle Paul is obviously preaching and teaching that if you want to enter into the kingdom of God, which is what Paul preached, then you have to be born again. And verse 24 says, And some believe the things which were spoken, and some believe not. And when they agreed not among themselves, they departed. After that, Paul had spoken one word. Well spake the Holy Ghost by Isaiah the prophet unto our fathers, saying, Go unto this people, and say, Hearing ye shall hear, and not understand, and seeing ye shall see, and not perceive. For the heart of this people is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have they closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. Now, what application am I making of these verses to my message today? When the Apostle Paul spent those years in his own hired house, and he preached and taught and expounded to the Jewish people on the kingdom of God, the Bible says that there were some that believed and some believed not. And then Paul rebukes the people that did not believe he rebukes them, not that they could not believe. He rebuked them that they would not believe. It was an act of their will. God will never rebuke you for something that you do not have the power to change. If you have the power to change it and you don't change it, God will reprove and rebuke and exhort to you through the scriptures that you change whatever that thing is. And he does that because if we're born again, we have the power to change. Now, the people that Paul is talking to in Acts chapter 28, he's talking to unsaved Jewish people. Half of them believe and they get saved. The other half do not believe. And Paul says, the reason why you're, you don't understand what I'm saying is that your ears have become dull and your eyes have become closed and you no longer have an open heart that you can have understanding. In the book of Proverbs, there is a recurring theme that goes all the way through. We are told that we have to get wisdom we have to apply it to knowledge, and then that is what gives us understanding. Do you know that Satan was one of the wisest creatures that was ever created? A lot of people don't know that. The Bible says um, in Ezekiel 28, in Ezekiel chapter 28, talking about Lucifer, it says, um, oh, where is that verse? Here it is. Ezekiel 28, 12. Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, thou sealest up the sum, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Isn't it funny that the devil, Lucifer, Satan, 
is one of the wisest creatures that was ever created. But you know what Satan does not possess? He does not possess understanding. Um, Jill is asking, uh, she says, Lucifer was wise, Satan is deranged. Well, Lucifer and Satan are the same people. And Lucifer was lifted up in pride, and then he became, Lucifer means light bearer. Satan means adversary. Um, Lola says pride got him. And that's exactly what happened to Lucifer. He became Satan, which means adversary. Now, getting back to um, Acts chapter 28, the apostle Paul is rebuking the Jewish people. And he says for the, in verse 27, for the heart of this people is waxed gross. The number one cause of death in America is heart disease. For the heart of this people is waxed grossed, and their, e- their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have they closed. Now, I'm going to make an application of this verse to born-again saved Christians living in the church age who have heard the gospel, received the gospel, And when the rapture happens, these people are going to fly up to the clouds just like anybody else. I'm not talking about unsaved people today. I'm talking about saved people. There's a teaching out there that says that if you're not living right, then when the rapture happens, you get left behind. Uh, But there's nothing about that in anything that Paul wrote. Um, there is only one qualification for the rapture. You have to become born again. This idea that if you're not living right at the time that the rapture happens, kind of like how the Roman Catholics teach, that if you don't die in a state of grace, then um, you wind up going to purgatory. Well, you know what? Uh, Mother Teresa did not die in a state of grace. She died terrified, and um, she didn't even think that she was saved. She had no peace when she died. Um, Now, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that Mother Teresa did not go to heaven. I'm just simply saying she did not die in a state of grace. And um, when I hear people say that if if you're saved, but you're not living right, then you don't get to go in the rapture. That's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. Um, Everybody who is saved goes in the rapture. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 4.16, if you're not familiar with these verses, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, the Apostle Paul says this. The people that he's talking to, just imagine for a moment that the Apostle Paul is talking to the people that I am talking to this morning, saved church-age people. 
For the heart of this people is wax gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have they closed. There are far too many Christians today whose hearts have waxed gross, who have fallen away from the idea that the rapture could take place at any moment, and they have lost that desire to reach an unsaved world with the gospel of the grace of God. And because they have lost that desire, when you look at their lives, and I'm not mentioning any names today, if this applies to you, well, I hope you can receive it. If this does not apply to you, then you should be glad that it does not apply to you. But when I look across the church today, I do not see church-wide large groups of people fervently working to see lost people get saved and that saved people get on fire for God. You know, when the Holy Spirit sets you on fire, it does not sound like a charismatic convention. When the Holy Spirit sets you on fire, one of the ways that you can tell that you have experienced Holy Spirit revival is that you have a overwhelming desire to see lost people get saved. I'm not talking about inviting them out to a, a 75-hour song marathon. I'm talking about going out into the highways and hedges and compelling them to come in and preaching the gospel of the grace of God. And when I look across the Christian church today, you know what I see? This is what I see. The exact spiritual DNA of Jesus. You're not a little like him. You are exactly like him. Why is it when you look at Jesus, it's like you're looking in a mirror? Because you were born in his image. You were created in his image and likeness. Do you understand that? So Jesus, God was the painter, you're the painting, and Jesus was the model. When you look at Jesus, it's like looking in a mirror. He's your twin brother. And so the Lord said to me, you're a pauper who has become a king, and it's time for you to change. You're not a little like Jesus. You are exactly like Jesus. Oh, ho, ho, Kenneth. <laughs> Woo! Now, if that's what you're experiencing in what you're calling revival, let me tell you something. That is not Holy Spirit revival. That is the devil. That is Satan who is preaching to you and pulling you away. Now, the three people that you heard speaking in that video, uh, that audio clip, a man by the name of Chris Valentin, uh, I think he's from Bethel Church, but um, his name is Chris Valentin, uh, that was Kenneth Copeland, and a woman by the name of Cat Care. And she's just an absolute nut. So when I look across 
the field of Christianity in 2023. I see the charismatics having a fake revival. And I see song services that have been substituted for Bible preaching. I see people like Andy Stanley, who's trying to get your Bible away from you. Um, and so my purpose today is to inspire you and to try to convince you in your preaching and your teaching and your writing to tether the faith of the next generation and maybe some of this generation to tether the faith, and that's the phrase I want you to hang on to, to tether the faith of this generation and the next to the event of the resurrection rather than the inspiration, infallibility, or the authority of the Bible. Oh, good, no lightning. So let me say that one more time. My, my, and I'll, we'll talk about this for a few minutes, and you can talk bad about me after I leave. You have permission to do that. My, my intention and my heart's desire, because I think you're uniquely qualified to do this, is to begin from now on, for the rest of our lives, in our preaching and our teaching and our writing, to tether the faith of this next generation to the event of the resurrection rather than the authority and the inspiration, infallibility, or even the inerrancy of the Bible. So when I look across the bow of Christianity in 2023, and here we are on day 1091 of 15 days to flatten the curve, that's what I see. But you know what we are called to do? Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4, and I'm just about ready to start my message. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Paul says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Now, if you're one of those people that believes that Paul is the apostle for the church age, and I believe that, if you're one of those people that believe that Paul's doctrine, Paul's gospel is our doctrine for the church age in the age of grace, and I believe that, if you're one of those people, then you have to agree that what we are called to do while we wait for the rapture, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 1 Corinthians 15, Titus 2.13, John 14, uh, Song of Solomon chapter 2. While we wait for the rapture, we are called to preach the word and to preach and teach Bible doctrine. That is the mandate. Now, you can have an all-night prayer meeting, and that's great. You can have an all-night song service, and there's nothing wrong with an all-night song service. But don't confuse that with biblical revival. Biblical revival only comes from preaching and teaching the Word of God and the gospel that Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit gave to the Apostle Paul for three and a half years on the backside of the Damascus Desert. So my message to you this morning 
Are you saved? Who are you living for? How much of your time is divided up for you? And how much of your time is given over to the Lord Jesus Christ? You're not going to be rewarded for anything that you do for you. You have your reward and you have it here. What you get a reward for is what you do for the Lord Jesus Christ that costs you something. Costs you money, costs you time, maybe it costs you your your pride. You know why most people don't do street ministry? Because you've got to really expose yourself. You've got to put yourself out there. And you got to be willing to be a jackass for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why most people do not do street ministry. Not because they're not called to do it. Not because they can't do it. Not because of any other reason. Then you don't want to be embarrassed. You don't want to be made fun of. And you don't want your pride to be wounded. You know what the Apostle Paul said? He says in 2 Corinthians 11.23, he says that he's a fool for Christ. Isn't that interesting? 2 Corinthians 11.23, Paul says, uh, Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft. Of the Jews five times I received forty stripes, saved one. Thrice I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A day, a night and a day I have been in the deep. And it goes on and on and on and on. And Paul says in verse 30, If I must needs glory... I will glory of the things which concern mine infirmities. Um, The Apostle Paul was not afraid to be made fun of. He was not afraid to be seemed like a fool. Take a look at the graphic that I I made this morning for um, for the article about the Sunday service. I'm going to put that graphic into the chat room. And I want you to take a quick look at it. Um, In the middle of the graphic, you see a man in Times Square with a T-shirt that says, You must be born again, John 3, 3. And then I want you to look at the people that are watching him. The woman all the way to the left is shocked. The couple immediately to his left are mocking him. And that woman has just said something that would be highly offensive. The couple to his immediate right, they're not quite sure what they think of what he's saying. The man in the yellow shirt to their right has his arms folded, and he's like, I don't believe a word of it. I don't want it. Um, This is what it looks like. When you go street preaching, people laugh at you. People make fun of you. People will ridicule you. But somewhere in the midst of all of that, there will be those 
that will listen to you. And we are called in the dispensation of the church age. We are called to go out to where the people are. Now, in 2023, the vast majority of people are online. And God raised up. Now the end begins 14 years ago. And we reach on a yearly basis, we reach millions and millions and millions of people with the gospel of the grace of God. And people get saved. Patricia got saved on Friday. Amber got saved this morning. People get on fire for God. Uh, Kyle Gorzell, Kentucky Jeffrey, uh, Jill, Street Preacher Marie. There's lots and lots of people who have come to Now the End Begins and they get on fire for God. So it's not just lost people getting saved. It is saved people getting on fire for God. Now, Christian, I want you to begin to look at your own schedule, to look at how you spend your time on a daily basis. How much of that time are you doing things that will be rewarded at the judgment seat of Christ? Now, maybe you don't care about that. Maybe you're one of those people. You got saved and you got sealed unto the day of redemption. And you have tuned out the Holy Spirit. You have um, set yourself up in the world so much that as Paul says in Acts twenty-eight twenty-seven. The heart of this people is wax gross and their ears are dull of hearing and their eyes have they closed. Maybe you're one of those people and maybe on a daily basis, your eyes are so shut and your ears are stopped up and your heart has become so hardened that this message is just bouncing off of you like bullets off the chest of Superman. But let me tell you something. When you hear your name called by that voice in the clouds and you hear come up hither, you're headed smack dab for your appointment at the judgment seat of Christ. And you're going to watch what you thought was a good life you're going to watch the entire thing burn up. Now, you may not care much about that right now. I mean, down here we have so much that we can be distracted with. And the devil works overtime distracting you. Have you ever been to a baseball game, a football game, a basketball game? Have you ever wondered why the majority of companies that advertise at every single sporting event sell alcohol? Have you ever wondered why that is? I live in St. Augustine, Florida, and sometimes I have to drive up to downtown Jacksonville. And in downtown Jacksonville, they have the Jaguars um, football stadium, and that holds 47,000 people. But an interesting thing begins to happen as you begin to drive 
from St. Augustine to Jacksonville, when you're about 10 miles away from that football stadium, the billboards change drastically. They all become billboards um, encouraging you to drink alcohol and smoke cigarettes and um, spend time at your local marijuana dispensary. And you see these billboards within just a few miles outside of the uh, Jaguars football stadium. And that is done to distract you. Alcohol, the Bible says this in Proverbs 20, um, verse 1. For um, wine is a mocker and strong drink is raging. And whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. You know what happens when you drink alcohol? Your heart begins to wax gross. And your ears begin to get dull. And your eyes start to get heavy. And they start closing. But that's not just alcohol. That's what this world does to you. Have you ever read a book called Pilgrim's Progress? We sell it at the bookstore. You can go to uh, BibleBeliever.com. That's the link for our bookstore. And you can get yourself a copy of uh, Pilgrim's Progress written in the 16th century by a man named John Bunyan. And if you've never read that book, and I recommend that you do, he talks about a place called Vanity Fair. And that is a place that is so alluring And so compelling that people who go to Vanity Fair, they don't come out. And they get so pulled in to the things of the world that they don't want the things of God. Now, I said at the start of my message, I'm not preaching to lost people right now. Today's message is for saved people. If you're not ready for the judgment seat of Christ, and again, you may not care much about it here and now, but you will shed tears in heaven. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it. That day is the judgment seat of Christ. Your work is going to be put through that fire. And the things that will burn up immediately is all the time you spent doing fantasy football, all the time you spent just doing nothing online or doing something bad online, all the time you spend at happy hour, all the time you spend at the bar, all those Sundays that you spent tailgating instead of fellowshipping at church, all the things that you did for you, every single one of those things is going to burn up. Can you imagine that? So let me ask you this. If all the time that you spend on you, and look, you only have to spend five minutes on Instagram. You only have to spend five seconds on TikTok to know 
that the entire world is trying to get you to focus on you. Self-love, self-care, lifting yourself up. I get overwhelmed. Sometimes I go to Facebook and I look at my feed and I turn it right off. It is post after post after post of people talking about themselves, talking about their pain, their hurt. You know what the old song says? Cast your eyes upon Jesus. We're not supposed to be focused on ourselves. We're supposed to be focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we focus on the Lord Jesus Christ, what does he do? He sends us out to preach and teach the gospel. Uh, he sends us out. And yes, yes, the Bible says in Isaiah 61 that he came to heal the brokenhearted. Absolutely. But after you've been healed, you're not supposed to live your life for yourself. After you've been healed, you're supposed to live your life for the Lord Jesus Christ. And the fact that the vast majority of the Christian church rejects the Bible doctrine of the pre-tribulation rapture of the church shows me one thing, that the vast majority of the Christian church is not preparing themselves for the judgment seat of Christ. Because the last day that you have to get something done for the Lord by faith that you can be rewarded for is the day the rapture happens. That's when time is up and your ability to get something done for the Lord is over. Now, the Bible says that we're going to reign as kings and priests, and that's true. And we're going to spend the millennium working in the administration of King Jesus as he rules and reigns from the throne of David, Luke one thirty-two. But you're not going to get rewarded for that work because you're going to see Jesus face to face. You're going to have a glorified body. You get the reward now because you have a body that is not glorified. And you have a body that when your spirit tells you to get up and go witness to somebody, your flesh says no. And the reason why you get a reward at the judgment seat is because it's work. It's hard work. Do you know how many times that I'm out somewhere, and I'll be perfectly honest with you, I am not a super saint. I never said I was. I never will say that about myself. The longer I live, the more that I'm aware of my faults and failings and weaknesses and the times that I do the opposite of what God wants me to do. That's what I know the longer that I live. And there are plenty of times where I'm out at Costco or getting gas in my car or I'm walking through the mall and God says, why don't you go up to that group of people and hand them a gospel track? And I have to sometimes fight within myself 
because my spirit wants to do it immediately, but my flesh does not. And I find myself, there have been times where I've gone into the bank and I have a track in my pocket and the Holy Spirit says, now go witness to that guy. And I don't want to do it because the bank is full and maybe I'm having a bad day or whatever the case may be. Maybe I don't want to start witnessing in front of a a bank filled with people. What will those people think? And there have been times where I have walked out to my car wrestling with the Lord and then I go back into that bank and I do what the Holy Spirit called me to do. So if you think that it's any easier for me than it is for you, that's an excuse. If you think, well, of course you can do it because you have now the end begins and because God's called you to this worldwide ministry, that's a cop-out. I struggle with that every bit as much as you struggle with that. And I have to constantly beat down my flesh to do what God has called me to do. Now, when, when you do that, when you say no to the flesh, and you do what the Holy Spirit has called you to do, that is where you get the reward. That is why you get the reward. Turn to Second uh, Timothy chapter 4. Second Timothy chapter 4, I want to show you something. Second Timothy chapter 4, look at the Apostle Paul. He's at the end of his life. Verse 6 says, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. Paul's getting ready to check out. But he has confidence because he fought a good fight. He finished his course and he kept the faith. That's verse 7. Paul says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept my faith. Uh, Kept the faith. Paul is not trying to jam it all in at the end of his life. Paul said, hey, I'm not worried because I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I kept the faith. And then Paul says, henceforth, because of that, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And so you think to yourself, Oh, yeah, that's the Apostle Paul. Of course he's going to get a crown of righteousness. He's God's hand-picked apostle. But keep reading. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Now, Do you know how you know that you love his appearing? Give me five minutes and I'll be done with this message for today. Paul says 
that because he fought a good fight, he finished his course, he kept the faith that there is laid up for him. He doesn't get it now, he gets it later. He doesn't get it here, he gets it at the judgment seat of Christ. He says, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Do you know how you get that crown? By taking the hours of your day and giving more to the Lord than you take for yourself. I'll say that again. The way that you get this crown of righteousness is by taking the hours of your day and giving more to the Lord than you give to yourself. Now, I want to give you a startling statistic that will absolutely blow you away. You ready for this? We talk about, and we're going to talk about this on the podcast tomorrow, we talk about something called day 1091 of 15 days to flatten the curve, right? And we've been talking about that for the last 1091 days. 1091 days ago, well, actually 1095 days ago, It was March 16th of 2020. That was the start of 15 days to flatten the curve. And I want to show you how much time has gone by in that time period. And I'm going to apply it to my message this morning. How many months ago was March 16th of 2020? It was 35 months ago. How many weeks ago was March 16th of 2020? It was 156 weeks ago. How many days ago? It was 1,091 days. How many hours ago? It was 26,174 hours. How many minutes ago was March 16th of 2020? One million... 570,489 minutes. How many seconds ago was March 16th of 2020? 94,229,342 seconds. When you realize how much time God has given you, Since the day you got saved. How many millions of seconds and millions of minutes. And tens of thousands of hours. And thousands and thousands of days. And when you realize. That the judgment seat of Christ. Is you're going to be judged. On how much time you took for yourself. And how much of that time that you gave to the Lord Jesus Christ? And when you can answer that question, then you'll know exactly how it's going to go for you at the judgment seat of Christ. 
Now, just off the top of my head, and I'm just guessing, but I am positive that every single person listening to this message right now, the amount of time you take for yourself is at least three to one the amount of time that you give to the Lord. I want you to think about that. Now, one thing that the apostles all had in common is they gave their lives for the gospel. You know why God used D.L. Moody to such a high degree? Because after he got saved and he got under conviction, he gave his entire life to preaching and teaching the gospel of the grace of God. And so did Charles Spurgeon and Peter Cartwright and George Whitfield and Robert Sheffy and Billy Sunday. Billy Sunday walked away from a lucrative superstar career as a baseball player. And he donated the rest of his time to the gospel of the grace of God. So, I want you to think this week and this month as we head into springtime. Could this be the springtime that the Lord comes to call us home? It absolutely could be. And in fact, I would dare say that it is looking um, much more in that direction than in any other recent year. There's When you see the podcast that we have for tomorrow, it's going to blow your mind. This is the week, three years ago, that the New World Order stepped up and started taking over. This is the week that started all the craziness that we are still going through. And you don't think that the rapture could be today, tomorrow? You don't think that the rapture could be this spring? Why do you think we hold the camp meeting in the springtime and not the fall? We hold the camp meeting in the springtime because we want to get as close to a possible date for the rapture as we possibly can be. So I want you to think this week about your time. I want you to think about how much you have left. I want you to think about how you spend your time. And I want you to think about who you're spending your time on. And as you think about these things, I want you to remember, you do not get a reward for time spent on you. You get a reward and you get things like the crown of righteousness when you take those precious seconds, minutes, days, and hours, and you give more to the Lord Jesus Christ than you take for yourself, then you're ready for the judgment seat of Christ. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy. We thank you, Lord, for all these you've gathered here. We thank you, Lord, for for. Patricia, who got saved on Friday, and for Amber, who made a profession of faith this morning in the chat room uh, while we were doing the program. We thank you, Lord, for the increase. We thank you for the harvest. 
And uh, Lord, let us continue to be busy about your business. And let us be willing to spend more time on you than we take for ourselves. And we pray, Lord, that uh, we will still see more lost people get saved and more saved people get on fire for you. And we thank you and we praise you for you are worthy. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Uh, No Bible study tonight, but Lord willing, we'll see you back here at noon Eastern Standard Time for a special two-hour podcast uh, as we celebrate three years of 15 days to flatten the curve. All that and more tomorrow on the Prophecy News Podcast. Have a great Sunday, everybody. I hear the sound of a mighty rushing wind And it's closer now than it's ever been I can almost hear the trumpet At the midnight cry When Jesus comes again When Jesus steps out I see prophecies fulfilling The signs of the time You know they're appearing everywhere I can almost hear the Father At the midnight